Across the UK, Overnights with Martin Kellner. There is a place I'd give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars in a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico You got to be in so much to see in Mexico Take it from me and you're gonna see the greatest show Marvellous. That's where we're going now, to uh, Campeche in Mexico. And uh, we say uh, a warm welcome to John Bonfilio. Uh, John, thanks uh, ever so much for joining us. Back on Friday night. It's a delight to be here, Martin. <laughs> Lovely to have you back on Friday night as well. Um, I suppose the story we need to start with is one that's been getting a fair amount of uh, coverage here uh, in the UK, and that's the um, decriminalisation of uh, abortion in Mexico. You know, we know it's a, a very Catholic country, uh, and um, it, it's um, it, it's a big issue, abortion. And it's sort of almost like a mirror image of what's going on in some states in America where it's becoming uh, more difficult to uh, to get an abortion in Mexico they're making the reverse move I know some states it's still um, if not criminalized it's still frowned upon but this is a big uh, a big decision by Mexico's Supreme Court big decision and I think there's definitely been as you say there's definitely been comparisons made with the USA but I think what's what's fascinating about the, the, the comparisons which haven't really been made is that uh, fundamentally it's a sort of a, a minority of lawmakers in the U.S. that have made it you know, uh, access to abortion harder. And it's the opposite here that uh, actually still the public is generally not in favor of legalizing abortion. But the current government sort of very quietly and the judiciary have gone about at a federal level, at, at state level, to some extent as well, but generally at a federal level of making it not so much of making abortion legal, but actually they've declared that punishing women and providers is unconstitutional. So they've mm. actually found an argument around the issue. And now they've forced the states, each individual state of the 32, because most laws in Mexico are actually uh, designed on a state by state basis rather than a federal basis so they're now thrown it back at the states and said you've now got to provide a system whereby based on our supreme court judgment ruling you have to make abortion access to abortion uh, legal so it's a it's a little bit of a roundabout way but for sure it is the first step towards abortion being legalized countrywide in mexico which is something of a surprise not just because of Mexico and its history and its context, but given what's happening north of the border. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we think of Latin America as being predominantly Catholic, but um, countries such as Colombia, Argentina, Uruguay and Guyana have also moved to either uh, legalize or decriminalize abortion. Uh, so um, I suppose things are, uh, you know, I, I, I hesitate to say that um, Latin America is sort of dragging itself into the 21st century. But, um, you know, the, the attitudes are changing. Yeah, in some aspects of the 21st century are dragging themselves back into 
<laughs> previous uh, century. Look, um, mm. still in Latin America continues to have some of the most restrictive legislation on earth as regards abortion. It is banned even in cases of rape, deformity, risk of life to mother and the like in El Salvador, in, which has had some really high profile cases of women being incarcerated for life on the basis of miscarrying. Nicaragua, Dominican Republic and Honduras. But there is a tendency towards liberalization in Latin America at the moment, only just legalized in Argentina, Colombia, Cuba and Uruguay have had it legal for a while. And increasingly, there are states in Mexico, and of course, it's going to be the whole country soon, uh, that have legalized it and have it uh, allowed on request and stuff. So this is this is definitely something which, you know, if you'd said 10 years ago, uh, and in, especially in terms of comparison between the U.S. and Mexico, that the whole uh, uh, context would be flipped around. People would have said you were crazy. But that's very yeah. much what we're seeing at the moment. Yeah, We were talking uh, last week or the week before, I can't remember, about the city of Colon, which um, is the interesting named city, which is, you know, a hugely dangerous place. And um, it's, it's proved, isn't it, because uh, um, a well-known uh, Panamanian footballer has, uh, has been shot dead in the city of Colon. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, it's a, it's a tragic bit of foreshadowing that we did on your show last week when we spoke about the, the city and the fact that, you know, perhaps anybody visiting there should think twice. And this is actually just the day after we spoke about this, the killing of 26-year-old Gilberto Hernandez, Panamanian national uh, footballer who had only just made his debut for Panama against Argentina a few months ago. And he was gunned down on Sunday outside his, his mother's uh, housing block. And this, of course, you know, accentuates, adds to what, what it is that we were saying about Colón. Also, you know, it's really surprising because it's not a big city. It's only 40,000 big. It's got this massive free trade zone because it's on the eastern edge of the, of the Panama Canal with billions in global trade uh, being imported, exported, but huge high rates of unemployment, historic poverty. And of course, you know, where have we heard this before? Uh, gangs and drugs ruling the roost in terms of it being a global hub for the movement of these highly valuable um, trades. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so there's a tragedy, obviously, for you know the football community in Panama, um, and um, you know this this wave of violence continues in, in, in Colon. Um, this is an interesting one. This is a human trafficking ring which has been uncovered by uh, Cuba in which Cubans have been coerced into going and fighting for Russia in Ukraine. Tell me about that one. Weird, weird, right? You, you see that headline and you have to, it's one of those headlines that you kind of have to unpick or go into the, uh, mm. into the story to actually work out what on earth is going on. But yeah, Cuban authorities have uncovered a people trafficking network on the island in which Cubans have been offered work in Russia, mostly in construction, because of course Cuba has been having its biggest economic crisis in history. And then once they get to Russia... Uh, because, you know, they're not being employed to be mercenaries in Russia at point of contact. They're being taken to Russia under false pretenses. And then they are forced to serve in Ukraine. Of course, this is you know, the, the enlistment of foreign nationals that Russia continues to engage in in response to its uh, heavy losses. And so far, uh, Cuban authorities have arrested 17 people. And the foreign ministry has come out. This is really interesting. and said very categorically, Cuba is not a part of the war in Ukraine. Leaked documents in the last couple of days have suggested that over 100 Cubans are being forced to fight uh, in Ukraine. 
And, you know, I guess for Cuba, having their mercenaries involved abroad is really politically sensitive because they're already something of a pariah nation. But this is, as far as I can remember, you know, in, in observing these uh, these situations on the ground here, I think this is the first public political split that has been evidenced between Cuba and Russia since, you know, in living memory. And that is going to have... Uh, uh, geopolitical consequences without doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, while we're in Cuba, uh, not only uh, is the um, uh, is law on abortion uh, liberalised, uh, you know, do they have liberalisation of that? Um, women can also now take part officially in uh, in boxing. I mean, boxing is a yes. massive sport in Cuba. And, you know, women Huge. can do it now. And, and late in the day, because as you say, Cuba promotes, uh, Cuba promotes itself on uh, being a real leader, world leader in women's rights and, and, and equality. And, and women have long competed for Cuba at the Olympics at wrestling, taekwondo, judo and, and others. But there had been a historic ban on women entering the ring to spar or, or compete, which was lifted in December, which means that now uh, this is the rapid, this rapidly growing sport. Uh, for women in Cuba is now on Cuban TV and is hugely, uh, hugely popular. And women are now representing Cuba uh, for the first time in the boxing ring, which is definitely surprising given, as you say, the, 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 the prestige and illustrious history that Cuba has, has had in boxing uh, in, 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 with men, uh, second only to the USA with 41 Olympic uh, boxing goals. But huge now, hugely growing sport for women in Cuba. Yeah. Well, we, we wait to see some of the, you know, because it's, uh, it's really taken off over here. And, uh, you know, on the undercard of, uh, of big fights, you nearly always have a couple of, uh, of women's fights as well. So we'll look forward to seeing some of those uh, Cuban women boxers. Um, as always, John, thank you uh, ever so much. Do appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk again soon. No problem. Take care. Good man. There we go. That's uh, John Bonfilio joining us from Campeche in Mexico.